Brian O'Halloran, the star of Clerks and uh, many, many other movies, Vulgar, Clerks 2, Clerks 3, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. I just, I, I don't want to fanboy out too much, Mr. O'Halloran, but welcome to the show. I really appreciate it. Hey, Chris, uh, good to be on the show. I, I can't seem to get away from anybody named Graves. I got Randall Graves. Now I'm on a show with Chris Graves. You guys are just haunting me, haunting me. <laughs> well, it, I, it, you know what? I'm honored to be in such good company, even if it is a, a, a fictional character. <laughs> right on. Well, anyway, I just ran off the bat. How was the uh, Clerks 3 tour for you? Uh, Clerks 3 tour was uh, really great for those who didn't know. Um, Kevin not only uh, released uh, the film through Lionsgate uh, in theaters through the Fathom Events Company, uh, which was a limited amount of screenings uh, across the country in regular theaters. I think we got into 1,200 screens. Uh, but also he took the, the movie on tour like a band would with a new album. Uh, so he did um, 52 screenings. In, I think, 47 or 46 cities across the country, uh, starting like September 14th. And it just ended recently. I believe it ended on December 6th, just before or December 7th, actually, just on the day of the DVD Blu-ray release. So what uh, he would do is he would go out on the road to different cities, uh, to different really large venue type of theaters. They would screen the movie. And then after the movie, there'd be a Q&A uh, with Kevin. Uh, some of the cities I was able to join him on this tour, uh, like Boston and Hartford, which were the last two cities, but also the two screenings that were in you know, New Jersey to kick it off in Red Bank but also Chicago and Providence and uh, New York City. We had a big screening at the, the Beacon Theater uh, and quite a few others across the country. I think I got to do uh, 10 or 12 of the 52 screenings. So uh, I was able to catch uh, quite a few of the large, large audiences' reaction uh, to Clerks 3, and it was, uh, it was fun. It's spectacular uh, seeing the reactions, and different cities uh, kind of react differently to different things, which is quite funny. Uh, Jokes about Wawa convenience stores, for that matter. Uh, big, big in the Northeast, especially the Philadelphia area. They get that joke. Um, but then there were jokes that, that hit really big down in Orlando or Tampa or, or Atlanta, which I was also at. Uh, so it's it was fun seeing the reaction of how this market in general uh, appeals to different things about Kevin and, and these films, uh, these Clerks films. And it's got to be a different, a different kind of perspective for you, right? Because it's like you're uh, getting to have that rock star experience without being in a band. And right. it, you know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, yeah, no hookers, no coke, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but uh, we still get we still get that kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that, that's got to be like a, an adrenaline rush right there, right? Yeah, it is. It's fun. You know, uh, I do stand up comedy from time to time and, and you'll get sometimes that kind of reaction with that. Uh, and this is this is the same where you have this kind of audience uh, reaction to work that you're proud of doing. So uh, I was glad to, to that Kevin uh, asked me to be a part of a you know, if I could, I would have done them all. But uh, my schedule was conflicting with other things. So uh, at least I got a good, you know, 20 percent of the tour I was able to to, to experience. That's excellent. And even the Fathom events was so successful that they ended up adding more uh, shows like a week, a couple of weeks later, I believe, and those sold out too. So congratulations, yeah. seriously. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, because I've been waiting for Clerks 3 since 2006. 
when Kevin kind of joked about it on the uh, one of the commentaries, and then you hear Jeff Anderson go, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I remember <laughs> all the way back then. But um, actually, uh, now I think about it, Clerks 3 has quite the story itself, like the behind the scenes, because the original story was very, very dark, if I remember correctly. And only recently I've been actually able to find out some of the details from that, because for charity, actually, uh, you guys had a uh, a live reading of the original script, right, to save the, uh, the yeah, first that is playhouse. Right. A couple of years ago, um, uh, you know, we we kind of thought that Clerks 3 in general was was dead. Uh, Jeff uh, wasn't really on board with that script. And, and I had issues with that script as well. Um, and it was a much darker tone to a, the Clerks universe, so to speak. Uh, Kevin, Kevin had written some some stuff that happens in the script that was kind of like what was going on in the world at that time, but really for a comedy didn't kind of fit what was going on with the actual clerks. I mean, it was all, all of it was kind of um, artifice. It was all made up. It was nothing having to do with the clerks themselves, so to speak. Um, But in reading that one, we did uh, two readings, stage readings in New Jersey at the first Avenue playhouse uh, in Leonardo, New Jersey, which actually makes another appearance in the Clerks 3 movie where the auditions for the Randall movie uh, takes place. And that's so actually, a, that's where, where your journey with Kevin actually began, right? Because that's correct. where the auditions for the original Clerks were held. Correct. And it's uh, great to see, uh, one, that that theater still is thriving there in, Leonor- in um, Atlantic Islands, New Jersey. But, but two, we got to raise money for them. They needed new lights and new sound equipment for the theater itself. Uh, and I think their roof needed repairs. So we, Kevin was very kind to have two live readings of that script. Very dark. Uh, we told people, I mean, Kevin recorded it with his authorized people, but we yeah. told people, please don't, you know, don't go out and talk about what this is about. Um, and you know, but, someday we may we may do a book about it. We may do. That's what uh, I was going to ask. Like a what if? Like a, if you guys are going to like animate it, like the old, the animated series, maybe, or even if you yeah. can, something well, like we'll that. Because, yeah, uh, I know that he. Um, while we were on the tour uh, these past couple of months, he was bandying about the idea of doing another reading of it, yeah. uh, but this time at his own theater. He since uh, we've been on tour, uh, he bought. Uh, his local movie theater in Atlantic Highlands, literally just two blocks away from the First Avenue Playhouse, is wow. his movie theater, which used to be the um, Twin Cinema, Atlantic Highlands Twin Cinema. Uh, it's now a multiplex, uh, and Kevin and a couple of his friends and partners uh, bought it. So uh, he's been hosting different types of live events at his own theater. Uh, so he's talking about perhaps maybe doing another reading sometime next year, perhaps, of that darker script. Yeah, I really hope so because, uh, I mean, I'm glad that we got the Clerks 3 that we have. Uh, I, like you said, it, it fits in with the rest of the other movies. Right. But the, I'm very intrigued by, uh, I won't say any of the details that uh, I did find out, but yeah, it's a very interesting turn, uh, for, uh, Kevin at the time. I know he was going through a lot of stuff, uh, in the early, uh, you know, 2010s or whatever you want to call it, but, but anyway, yeah, I hope that that I know it was videotaped the um yes. uh, script reading. So I'm hoping that he puts it out maybe on that 
Kevin Smith club or whatever, you know. Yeah, he's that's what he's debating now, whether to do yeah. it that way or do it for the general public and just do a separately ticketed event. He's he's back and forth and back and forth. But he's got a lot planned for that theater in next year. And he was talking to me about a few of the things. And uh, I'm genuinely excited to see what he's doing with this. Finally, this huge theatrical space that he now has brought other people. Other people's films can now be screened at his theater. You know, a lot of independent filmmakers don't get distribution deals, but they put all this time and money into this work. Uh, So he wants to be one of those those. You know, uh, like his own IFFM, Mike. Correct, his own yeah. IFFM in, in feature, feature market. Yeah, and and uh, allow filmmakers to show and you know charge obviously to make their money back for their films. So it's a it's a great altruistic uh, uh, endeavor he's he's accompanying here, uh, putting up with this uh, this theater. So I, I look forward to working with him on a few things for the theater in the, in, in next year. And I know that uh, Vincent uh, Pereira is is known as the official view view askew historian. That is true. I'm the unofficial one, and I talk to Vincent oh, all, all right. the time. Yeah, no, really, because uh, I go all the way back to the '90s, and I remember when Kevin originally floated the idea of buying a movie theater and calling it Jay and Silent Bob's Groovy Movies. And okay. It was the same idea, but now it's the Smod Castle, I believe, right? Yeah. Yes. That is fantastic. That's great. I'm glad he's he's able to do all the things that, you know, he had planned. And you know what I mean? Because I, I, I I'm just amazed because he announced his projects of all varying degrees, years in the in the like years before. It kind of plants the seeds, and then he yeah, gets to do a lot of most of them. You yeah. know, you know a lot of it. I always I jokingly say that. Uh, he suffers from uh, premature annunciations, uh, <laughs> where sometimes they're like, "We're doing more rats too," when you know, oh yeah, it yeah, doesn't happen because you know financially things things don't work out or whatever. Uh, hopefully, we are going to do it now with the success of Clerks Three. The good folks at Lionsgate are talking about um, working with Universal to yeah uh, fund projects. So hopefully, that'll be uh, one of the next things we work on next year. Um, but yeah, it's those type of things where you know. I would love to get back to doing a cartoon series again. Yes. Kevin has the rights to do another Clerks cartoon, not exactly in the same art style or vein that the first attempt was with uh, right. Disney, but we could do a different art style and, and find a different way of making an animated series because uh, that's where I think where we can fill in the gaps of the three movies, the three Clerks movies. We could do anything we want with the cartoon. Yeah, and originally I I uh, used to do interviews for uh, Kevin's website News Askew like uh back in 2007 2008 and I actually interviewed uh, Brad from the Powerhouse Animation uh studio and they were the ones that Kevin was going to have for the Clerks uh, sellout thing which kind of brings it full circle because when Kevin announced what the plot was going to be about making a movie in the Quick Stop that was the that was the exact plot of Clerks sellout correct <laughs> So everything that comes was, back. Yeah, that's correct. what I mean. He he yeah, doesn't was, he doesn't yeah, lose the, anything. <laughs> yeah, that was originally uh, part of what was going to be part of the twelve episode cartoon series yeah. back in two thousand. There was there was going to be like a two parter cartoon, like an hour cartoon of where Randall does make his movie in the Quick Stop in the animated series. So you know that's the thing about creatives. You can think about something. It doesn't work out immediately or in the time frame you thought you you need to get it done. And it yeah. can sit on a shelf. That doesn't mean it's going to go stale. It just means it wasn't that time. And you can sometimes then find the need to then take that off the shelf 
and then do it. And people will be like, Oh my God, this, where has this been? This is perfect. So <laughs> exactly. it's all about I never project. throw anything away because of that reason, because I can use it for a different project down the, down the line. And you're absolutely right. Okay. Well, anyway, let me get just backtrack just a little bit for people that may not uh, be fam- as familiar or as much of a fanboy as I am. Um, but you came to uh, get to, in, to know Kevin Smith back in 1993 and you went to the, the first Avenue playhouse for auditions for a, a movie. Originally he was going to call inconvenience, which uh, also comes back full circle. And, you you had a very interesting um reading actually it wasn't anything to do with dante it had to do with uh, a very dark play right yeah near, uh, near dark me, actually yeah me and uh, marilyn gigliotti had done a play uh at the aberdeen uh theater repertory theater in new jersey and um it was called wait until dark uh oh, yeah. it was yeah. a it was a very um it's about a a drug smuggler who hides drugs in a doll and a doll gets given to a child and a child takes the doll and leaves it at a blind woman's house. And there's kind of this kind of cat and mouse game of trying to get a hold of this doll so that, you know, um, the guy can get his drugs back. And the blind woman's like, what are you talking about? Kind of a thing. So that'd be a great, uh, movie. That'd be a great movie right there. Not to cut you off. Well, it was, it was, it was Alan, a movie. Yeah. Alan Arkin. Yeah. Alan Arkin was uh, the star of that movie. Uh, and, um, you can find out, I think it was 1971 or 72, yeah. uh, called wait, called wait until dark. Um, and then it was also done on Broadway a few times. As a matter of fact, the last revival of this on Broadway, uh, Quentin Tarantino played the role, Mr. Rote, which is the role I auditioned with. Oh. So I, uh, I took some dialogue from that movie, cobbled it together or from that play rather cobbled it together for my audition. Uh, very sinister, very dark. Once again, I didn't know what I was auditioning for. Right. Um, I could have been auditioning for porn for all I knew. <laughs> all I knew is the, uh, the, the owner of the theater of the First Avenue Playhouse, Joe Bagnol, you may know him as the guy who sits and stand in front of the cat while the cat takes a dump in front yeah. of him. He called me, uh, this is before cell phones and the internet to tell me that these young guys in town are going to be making a movie and I fit the age range of the people that they're looking to put in the movie. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so a month later is when I went down to audition. So uh, when I went in there, I just thought, let me just give them something serious because you could do goofy comedy uh, easier. You want to show off your acting abilities. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to show what my range was. So when I was done with that audition, which if people have the Clerks X, the Clerks 10-year edition. That's where I saw uh, it. Yep. One of the extra DVDs has all of our auditions on it. Um if it's a perfect class and what not to do in an audition because I sucked. Um, but it no. was enough to get me the part because Kevin's like, man, I, I wish I had a villain in my movie. You'd be perfect for it. And then I guess when I, I he had me come back two more times for uh, callback read, readings um, and liked what I did after that. And I guess he thought, well, I guess if this guy could be a very you know malicious villainous type of character, he could easily just play a sappy clerk. And, and there we go. That's that's fantastic, yeah. That's great because originally Kevin was going to play Dante himself. Mm-hmm. I, no, actually, no. That's not that's not correct. He was going to be Randall because he had right. all the best jokes. And uh, the guy it that was, ended up, Ernie O'Donnell would have right. been yeah. would have been Dante. Yeah. And for those that don't know, Ernie O'Donnell is in the movie, but he yep. plays a different role now. Um, Rick Darris. Rick Darris. And he it's, actually, out of anybody, he's in almost. 
every movie Kevin's ever done. Besides, I think Jamie's. Jamie's might be the most. But Ernie has been in almost every movie that Kevin's ever done. People think it's me, and I'm like, no, it's first of all, it's Jay. Secondly, it's it's Ernie, Ernie O'Donnell. Yeah, he now, could, like, he... Ernie is actually the other partner, one of the other partners in owning the movie. Uh, yeah, and he set it up, I believe, too, with construction. Right. Literally right. built it up. Yeah, literally, no, he, built, he builds everything. Like he built the new secret stash. He anything that has to be built in New Jersey goes through Ernie for Kevin. That is. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so anyway, so then, uh, Clerks comes out, you guys filmed it, and it's one of those shining examples of what one can do with an in, independent film, especially filming in your own workplace overnight and everything. It was just great. Um, again, no one had really filmed, no one had a movie that took place in a convenience store except for like the end of, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High up until that, that moment. So, it was kind of a, a genius uh, idea, you know. It might just be simple now. You look back, but no, no one had really done that before. About yeah, I always, I always loved the movie Car Wash. A whole movie surrounding yeah. the guys that works at Car Wash. So uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of movies where if you get it right, it can be yeah. done. You know, it can be done right. Exactly. No, that's great. And uh, okay, so here we go. Because there's a lot of stories that uh, people do, uh, they know from over the years, but me being the unofficial historian, um, I was able to pick up different tidbits here over the years, and I just wanted to see if uh, you could confirm or deny uh, some of them. You and Jeff Anderson, I believe, went to audition for the Clerks TV show that Jim Brewer ended up, or the pilot for one, that Jim Brewer, of all people, ended up playing Randall in. Is that correct? That is correct. I was the one who actually found out that that show was even happening uh, because I was meeting with agents in L.A. at the time. And this one agent said, oh, well, obviously you're going to go audition for that Clerks TV pilot, right? And I was like, blah, 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 what? There's a <laughs> yeah. TV pilot. He yeah. goes, yeah, uh, Don Rio is producing and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, so then I called Kevin's office back in New Jersey he was like, what? There's a clerk's pilot. Uh, he didn't know either. He then called uh, Warner Brothers, who was producing it, uh, and Don Rio's offices. They brought him on uh, for a hot minute as an executive producer. Kevin yeah. read the script and the premise and the kind of uh, production value that it was going to be. And he's like, yeah, I'm out. Uh, and secondly, um, you can't use the Jay and Silent Bob characters in this because I personally own them. Uh, and they were like, oh, okay. Uh, and so then we auditioned. I remember I then, you know, talked to Jeff. And once again, this is before, you know, uh, cell phones and, and, and yeah. email stuff. So you would call someone's, you know, service. It's like a service that you call in. It's like their voicemail, but it's someone you go, Hey, tell Jeff about these auditions. And then the service then calls the person. Or um, like the beeper or whatever, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, yeah, your beeper would go off and people like, oh, you're dealing drugs? And like, no, it's my <laughs> service. It's calling me yeah. to tell me I can call in. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and so uh, I auditioned. I think Jeff auditioned, Marilyn auditioned, and uh, Lisa Spoonhour auditioned. Uh, Kevin and Jay were not, you know, like I said, they were on it for like a hot minute. And they were like, yo, right. this is this is going to be, this is not going to be great. Uh, and so there we go. Uh, and then as you saw, if people want to see it, then go on YouTube yes. and type in Clerks Pilot, uh, Jim Brewer, who played the Randall type character. Um, but you and Jeff both actually uh, didn't audition yeah. for your 
your characters in the movie, right? You you both auditioned for one character. Is yeah, right? I think we all I think we all auditioned. They were still looking for the Dante. I think Jim Brewer was one of the first people yeah. cast, and then um, what's her name who played that character Felicity, uh, who was also oh, on yeah. the Americans. She played like uh, the not the Veronica, but like a, a Caitlin kind of character like a hybrid yeah i remember seeing yeah. that yeah and uh, they did they blended a bunch of characters together and it had the it had the production value of like saved by the bell that's what i was gonna say yeah <laughs> yeah kind of bubblegum kind of set kind of thing uh shot it was like a two camera sh- you know comedy uh thing and uh i i remember watching it someone uh played it recently and i watched it and just thinking like man this this was literally such a if if a if a group of PTA mothers tried <laughs> to make clerks in a very safe you know watered seven, down yeah seventh grade <laughs> type of show the class kind of way um, yeah and that's no disrespect to the folks over with Don you know Warner Brothers and Don Rio they were just trying to put out what was hot with the new kids the the Gen <laughs> Xers of the 90s this is what the kids want to watch kind of thing. Right. Um, and it was just, it was awful. I mean, if there was going to be any channel, uh, I mean, then this was before, you know, Sopranos and stuff like that, where oh, HBO yeah. became this mega monolith of producing really great original stuff. One of those networks, you know, something on cable that we didn't have to edit ourselves would have been the way to go. Same thing with the cartoon series. I think if the cartoon series were to come back now, you know, yeah. something like a Netflix or a Hulu, something like that. Uh, right. would be perfect for, uh, this for kind HBO of release. Just like, yeah. yeah. Just like how, uh, Justin Roiland has that, uh, oh, yeah, Ricky Morty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That type of well, that, that actually leads me into my next question because this one's even more, uh, in the dark. Um, I had heard that there was a, a proposed idea that Miramax was going to have its own TV station as a part of the Sundance network and that I hate to bring him up, but Harvey Weinstein floated the idea to Kevin about having a live action, uh, clerks TV show with you guys. And it would be in more along the lines of the flying car, uh, short that you guys did for Jay Leno on the tonight show. Is there any truth to that? Uh, if there is, uh, it never got to me. I know there was, oh, there was always a Miramax television division because they were the ones who technically produced the cartoon series right. um, and Miramax was owned and still uh, was owned back then uh, by Disney. So um, the fact that uh, Harvey wanted to do a separate channel where we would have a live action version sitcom or something yeah. like that, something that like that's that. news to me. Okay. Um, uh, if Kevin has talked about it on a, one of his, millions of podcasts (laughs) that's where i picked it up from yeah yeah then then that's something that never never got past him to me okay all right so that clears that up uh, at least uh on your end all right so okay was there any plans to do for those that don't know what i'm talking about um the flying car was a uh a short film that that mr o'halloran and uh jeff anderson both did as dante and randall stuck in traffic and it was for actually it was for the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, was there any other plans to do more of those for Jay Leno? Uh, well, originally what that was for was um, a lot of large corporations have events that they bring in either investors or their employees or 
buyers or customers and they have big events. And uh, the Ford Motor Company was having a big inspirational kind of get together of their engineering departments, their head of sales and stuff, just to motivate their kind of it's almost like their Christmas party kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they had asked Kevin to write an inspirational piece about, you know, American ingenuity and getting things done. And so he wrote this piece called The Flying Car, uh, which worked in the vein of like, okay, it's the Ford Motor Company. It's about yes. ingenuity. It's about what, what do we need to do to get things done? If you've seen it or if you haven't seen it, this is once again something you can find on one of the extra DVDs. It's part of that. Uh, it's but I great. It's great. Everyone, anyone, it's worth your time to, to – to seek it out because it, it it's a great little short film. They bring up yeah. JFK too. I know my producer yeah. Chuck probably loved that. And so uh when they then Kevin presented it to those guys at Ford, they were like, "What?" Yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, You're talking about a Nazi scientist cutting feet <laughs> off. What what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, so that they bailed on it. Uh, but Kevin just was so uh enamored with this the piece this getting the the two characters together and discussing this topic he didn't want to just put it on a shelf and wait for maybe another movie to happen uh so he asked us to come in to jersey again uh i, I was living there anyway at the time and jeff flew they flew him in from la and um to shoot this short Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code MASS and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM and Games remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years of age or older to wager massachusetts only new customer offer all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements first online real money wager only rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets bonus bets expire seven days from issuance please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-327-5050 in partnership with mgm springfield Seasons Corner Market has super ways to save all month. Get two 12-ounce of super coffee for $6 and save 10 cents off per gallon of gas. There's always a reason to stop at Seasons. Literally, it was like a parking lot uh, in Homedale or Middletown or whatever behind the school. And it made it, we made all the crew people get behind us and sit in their cars as if they were in traffic. And we shot this short. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. It, we got – me and Jeff got back into the rhythm of being Dante and Randall again, which doesn't take long at all. And this was after the cartoon series had failed, unfortunately. Uh, but we knew that people wanted to um, – people wanted to get these characters, to hear these characters again. So we shot this short. It went really well. Kevin then said, look, I'm going to bring this to some people and see what I can do with it. Jay Leno was having these kind of – uh, short film and funny kind of interview kind of clips with different. Well, September varies. 11th happened. September 11th yeah. happened, and then he had Kevin come on and to kind of tour America and kind of get people's spirits lifted again during that dark right. time. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, he had. So Kevin asked, you know, Jay, Jay, do you mind? I have this short film. I think it'd be kind of funny. And he's like, Sure, where, whatever. What do you, what do you need, Kevin? <laughs> and so um. 
next thing you know, uh, Kevin went on the Tonight Show and introduced the, the video, and people were stunned. They laughed, but at the same time, they're like, "What did we just watch?" Right. Uh, but the fans, the fans of ours who knew our type of humor, really loved it, and um, I think it inspired Kevin to then go on and, and maybe do a Clerks too, and and yeah, move on. definitely, yeah, because it kind of because it was after Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came out, and you guys were in that. And then, uh, it was, yeah, it was before he even announced, cause he didn't, yeah, cause Jersey Girl was about to go into production. So right. at the time, yeah, no, it was great. So I didn't know if like, I didn't know the backstory when it came to like the, uh, you know, the Ford company. That makes more sense now, um, in hindsight. Uh, but was it, did you ever talk to Kevin where he wanted to do a series of, uh, shorts after that maybe? Or was it just the one and done? You know, I, I think he wanted to see how it would be received if people okay. even after after the cartoon didn't uh, perform well. Although the amount of viewers that we had then, if we had them today on broadcast television, oh, yeah. we'd be a huge success. Um, but at the time when cable didn't have a lot to offer back then, um, yeah. you know, TV ratings were very like, well, if you don't get a 5.2 share, you're not right. You know, yeah. so it's that type of thing where a 5.2 share now would be like a, you know, a huge success. A mini walking good. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, that type of thing, um, he wanted to see where it went from there. But I think what he was doing was he was then like, you know what? Instead of doing a series of shorts with these guys, let's just go the full, go the full nine and do an actual, uh, clerks. Clerks too. Yeah. Cause originally he wanted to do a 1999, I believe. I know he says it was kind of a joke in the credits of dogma clerks too, hardly clerking, but I guess he wanted to have like Alanis Morissette in, uh, the original version of clerks too, where she was going to be, uh, Randall's love interest and it was going to be on the boardwalk and everything. Cause he had this whole thing that he went and scouted. Oh, believe me, I remember it. Cause like I am a diehard Kevin fan. So I remember at the time on News Askew, uh, Brad and Chris were reporting on that where he was looking out, um, you know, at the boardwalk, but it would have been too expensive to, uh, to film. So then eventually it became a movies when, uh, he went back to clerks too. But yeah, there's a whole backstory and everything to that. Yeah. Cause yeah. I remember um the the original the what we talked about earlier here in this episode we talked about the original Clerks three script this darker script yes uh, the the main focus was Randall on that one uh, and him getting a love interest uh, yeah. in that yeah. one as well so um the uh, how Kevin pivoted from the boardwalk to the location that he was going to use for yeah. that other version of Clerks three was not far off. Right. And then eventually he was able to kind of do that boardwalk thing that he was going to have Randall uh, be in the geek suit uh, from what he would talk about. He was able to put that in Zach and Mary make a porno anyway with Seth Rogen. So it kind of worked out. So he doesn't throw away ideas. And, no, like, he, he yeah. literally moves the shells around to see. And that's great because it's like. I came up with it already. It's there. Yeah. So, but anyway, going, uh, going back a little bit, um, you, you was Mallrats your uh, official second movie or were you able to get like some other uh, acting jobs in between uh, the time that clerks went to Sundance and got bought and then Mallrats getting set up at Universal? Uh, what I started doing more of actually was more theater in between uh, okay. clerks being released and then, um, and then Mallrats. Uh, living on the East Coast, the opportunities to do more film were less, but to do more theater was stronger. Uh, so I did more theater there, and Kevin had approached 
me, he was still also living on the East Coast. He was living in a condo in uh, Red Bank at the time after he sold uh, Clerks 2. Uh, he came to me with the idea of being a part of uh, Mall Rats. Uh, yeah. And then once that was picked up by uh, Universal, because at first uh, he uh, gave Miramax the first look because that's what their contract said. Right. And Miramax like, yeah, this is not our type of movie. He then took that script to Universal, who then picked it up. Uh, and then got some really great producers on board with that, Jim Jacks uh, yeah. and a few others uh, who were really great. And the casting department uh, with the same – the ca- casting director was the same one who did Days and Confused and, you know, Animal. Oh, Don Phillips. Yeah, that's Don right. Phillips, right. So Don Phillips came in on board with it to do the casting and stuff. And we uh, – we they, they then went up to Minnetonka, Minnesota to the Eden Prairie Mall. And we took over that mall for quite a long time. And uh, I was there for about 11 days for filming. Um, and I Good got experience to, for you? A huge experience. Like um, this is the first time on an actual union right. Hollywood movie with a crew. And, you know, Michael Rooker. An actual yeah. Rooker. Yeah. And, you know, uh, here is Shannon, Do- Shannon Doherty, a huge star oh, uh, yeah. of our generation at the time. And um Many other really great people. Like this was Ben Affleck. You know, Ben Affleck I'd seen in a few other things beforehand, but he wasn't the Ben Affleck that we know today. Right. Uh, so getting to be up there and getting to work on an actual, you know, Universal Studios movie uh, was quite a huge jump from, you know, literally four people in a convenience store yeah, right. where if you weren't on camera, you were either holding the boom mic or you were, you know, slapping the slate to, to slate takes or yeah, you yeah. were making sure people didn't come in the store, that kind of thing. So, so you were um, able to get a taste of both worlds basically. Like right after that, was, like in a short a period huge, of time. Yeah, it was a huge and humbling experience to be a part of such an amazing uh type of um event, so to speak. Okay, yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds great. Uh which actually leads me to my next thing. Your next leading role was not that long after that. I mean, the movie, the movie I'm referring to, Vulgar, actually came out like in 2000 or 2001, but it was shot in 1997. Uh, how were you approached by everybody? Uh, Brian Johnson and, uh, and Kevin and all that, uh, especially about like what it, the movie's kind of known for. Um, right. um, it started out, uh, if you watch the original clerks, there's that little animation that Walt Flanagan did of a guy who comes in in a clown outfit, then goes behind a dressing screen and then changes out of his clown outfit, but changes into like a bustier and, and fishnet, fishnet. stocking. <laughs> and that became the logo of Kevin's company. Um, and so uh, they were in Kevin's office in New Jersey, Brian Johnson and Kevin. And, you know, the big poster of Clerks is on Kevin's wall and the big the logo is much bigger. It's about, you know, three, four inches on the poster yeah. in the corner. And just Brian Johnson being Brian Johnson, if you ever listen to the Tell Em Steve Dave podcast. he or just see him on a comic book, man, too. He was yeah, on that on AMC. Well. Yeah. yeah, you can see that he has a mind that just goes in different tangents. And he said to Kevin, like, what do you think that cat's backstory is? And Kevin's like, I don't know. Why don't you write it? And so, uh, that's what, that's what Brian Johnson did. He went and he wrote this, you know, story about a guy who's a party clown for kids, not making enough money doing that. Uh, his mother's in an assisted living, uh, facility, but there's a partial payment that always has to be contributed by uh, her family. And that being me, 
uh, and I'm scraping up money to, to, to pay my own rent and then to keep her in the nursing home, uh, comes up with an idea of playing a party clown for adults called yeah. Vulgar the Clown. And not to spoil anything, but his first gig goes horribly wrong. And you see the concept, the rest of the film, you see the consequences of one gig going horribly wrong and what it leads to in his life. Uh, so Brian Johnson, when he approached, when he wrote the script and approached Kevin, had Kevin read it. Uh, Kevin's like, whoa, this, this is twisted. Who are you even thinking would, would want to do this? Who do you think do you have in mind? He goes, actually, I had O'Halloran in mind when I was writing it. He's like, oh, that's a good choice. Why don't you ask him? And then he approached me with it. Gave him the script and said, hey, Kevin wants to produce this. Um, uh, I was thinking about you when I wrote this, so here's the script. And he handed it to me, and the first draft of that script is super dark and super violent. The movie, the are, the movie's dark on its own, so how much more yeah, dark can it, it was be? Even, it was more dark, like wow. super dark, uh, to the point where halfway through I put down the <laughs> script. And I called him on the phone. And I was like, hey, Brian, what, what the f- – you know, what the F, man? Like, why yeah. are you, you said you were thinking of me when you wrote this, you twisted bastard. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I finished reading it and, um, just the actor in me found it incredibly challenging, uh, yes. to, yeah. to, to portray this role, to portray what happens to the, to the character in the, in the movie and to portray the outcome uh, at the end. So and male so, vulnerability too. Yeah. A lot it, it, of it, male actors can do, you know? Yeah, so I uh I, de- I did some research on the situations that the character goes through. Um and uh I put some, you know, I put the work in and uh I I hope it comes across in the film. It does. Yeah, absolutely. I know people make jokes about it and I don't know if that ever bothers you. No, no, it doesn't joke. It doesn't bother me. I mean, it's funny, haha, but at the same time it's disrespecting victims who go through Exactly. Yes. So, um as much as I take it for what it's being given to me, I'm not highly offended by it but you know you try to tell people you know there are people who go through their life with these events that happen to them exactly so um i know he's he's reached out from time to time saying that he wants to do a sequel to that movie yes i I was going to ask you about that at a certain point yeah Uh, is there any momentum on that or he, he had a script that he was working on about five years ago uh and then the pandemic happened and plus he then met his current wife and then uh, got engaged and then they got married. And then he told me another idea. Like he said, look, remember that first treatment I had about this? I've changed my mind. Current, current events in the world have made me change my mind about certain things. And so he came up, excuse me, he came up with an updated um, version of the script. Uh, So he gave me the treatment of it. So he needs to still finish writing it. So I always tell the fans, get out there on Twitter because that's his most interactive, his Twitter and his Instagram. And tell him, get on with this. So it's up to him to write it. Because I know everybody who's been involved with it, myself, Ethan Suppley, and a few others. Even Brian Quinn from Practical Jokers. He plays a cop in Vulgar. He's wanted a Vulgar too as well. Yeah, so there's a lot of us who from the original want to do it again. It's, it's literally up to, uh, yeah. Brian Johnson because we know that there are some, there are, there are other producers and other kind of, uh, distributors who, who would be interested in releasing it. And that's another film that was released by Lionsgate. Yeah, but, and that was the thing that he couldn't really write this script, uh, for a while just because the rights didn't go back to, uh, him and Kevin, right? Is that originally why he, yeah. Some- uh, and so uh, I'll, I'll ask him again, but he 
he seems to believe that they're back to, you know, the years have gone back to where now they're back to him again. So we'll see. Well, that's, that's, that's excellent. That's great. Um, yeah, no, that's good. Uh, I also wanted to know, were you able to actually work with, I know you're not, you're kind of in the scenes with them, but not really. You play a reporter in Dogma. Were you able to actually, um, get to know Mr. My, one of my heroes, uh, George Carlin, the late great George Carlin at all? Oh, yeah. Uh, George is one of my heroes as well. Uh, my father was a big fan of George Carlin. Um, we got to working, I, I got, to work on the first three days in Pittsburgh uh, were scenes outside the Catholic church with George as a Cardinal Glick announcing Catholicism. Wow. Campaign. And the buddy Christ. Christ, buddy Christ. Correct. So we were in the same, we were in the make it trailer at the same time. And uh, he was at the far end and I was the next chair, like two chairs over, but there was no one in between us. And uh, George was one of the sweetest and kindest people on the planet, to be honest with you. And um, he uh, he said, where are you coming in from, son? And I was like, well, actually, originally, George, uh, I'm from the Bronx, just literally a hop over the river from where you grew up in Manhattan. Uh, He goes uh, and I said, my older brother actually went to the same high school that you did. I went to with this, the, the Cardinal Hayes and the St. Raymond's and uh, he was like, oh, really? And so we started talking about New York in the 70s and yeah. I lived in the Bronx. He lived uh, he lived in upper Manhattan. And um, I knew because I was going to be working with him, I, I bought his book at the time, which had come out, a really great book called Brain Dropping. Dropping. So <laughs> yeah. I, packed that, I had packed that with me um, and I brought it to set to just get him to sign it. And he's like, absolutely. Uh, and so, uh, he signed the book from one Bronx boy to another. Um, and then, uh, he, uh, he said, Oh, you want to take a photo? And at the time, digital cameras were not out at that time. Um, so for continuity, when you've gone through hair and makeup for the film, uh, yeah. what the hair, makeup and the costume people do is they take a photograph of you a Polaroid to show what you look like at that moment so they can replicate it. If yeah. let's say you shoot half of a scene today and shoot half of a scene tomorrow, it, but in the movie, it's the same day. If it's got to match up. Yeah. It's got to match so it's for continuity purposes. So the one, the George like said to the makeup woman, do you mind taking a photo of us here? And I was like, sure. And at the time, uh, Polaroid was coming out, not with that standard size Polaroid size. They were coming out with these longer strip versions yeah. of uh, the Polaroid film. And so uh, that's the cameras that they had. Um, and so they took a picture of me, me as, you know, uh, Grant Hicks, the news reporter, and George <laughs> as Cardinal Glick in his Cardinal Glick outfit in the makeup trailer. And we have this together. And uh, to this day, I use that photo is the bookmark of his book. Um, and it's oh. one of my most uh, treasured uh, possessions. I love George. I would see him come uh, as I was coming down uh, the elevator in the hotel to go to breakfast. He was already getting in the elevator going up after working out earlier that morning. So uh, he, in the end, was very health conscious. Um, yeah. He would only drink red wine. Uh, he had uh, really starting to he was really on the upswing and taking care of himself. Uh, when unfortunately, uh, God had, uh, other plans for him. Um, yeah. he is sorely missed, uh, Kevin's oh, yeah. stories and he has numerous stories, uh, of George, uh, could fill, you know, four hours of a Q and A, which sometimes when we've been on the road here, 
uh, with the Clerks uh, convenience store screenings of Clerks 3, uh, his name would come up almost every show, or at least almost every show that I was a part of. And yeah. uh, hearing Kevin recite these stories was always a, a wonderful thing to hear. Yeah, because uh, George would always say, uh, "Can you one day can you write my dream role? It's a priest that strangles uh, children or yeah. something. And so much so that, you know, I remember Kevin had mentioned that the original person that he wanted to be the villain in his movie Red State was not Michael Parks. It was George Carlin. Correct. George didn't live long enough, unfortunately. Nope. Yeah, I was I mean, able to I, tell I, Kelly. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was able to tell Kelly, uh, George's da- uh, daughter that, and, uh, she didn't even know at the time. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, when he had sent the script of, uh, Jersey Girl to George, uh, one of the first things that came out of George's mouth, this is the story that Kevin tells on the road is like, uh, hey, Kev, got the script. I don't see me as a priest strangling kids in here. I, he goes, he goes like, I see there's a kid in the script, but I don't get the strangler. Something of that. Nature. So, yeah. 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 It was, it's very funny. He was always, um, his humor was incredibly, uh, so deep. It's so deep in its thought process and so, um, positive at the same time. As dark as some of the jokes would be, they were always for a positive end or a positive point to make about hypocrisy and, and things like that how so. the world works yeah and how uh yeah no he he, he his jokes uh, they weren't like just face value they uh there was other stuff going on beneath kind of like bill hicks in a way he's another right. one for me you know there's more going on there than just uh just jokes so right. getting to meet him a year before he passed um that was a big thing for me myself as well so I'm glad that you had that experience and that, that's, that's fantastic. I, I wish I had a picture with him, but that wasn't the case at the time. But so anyway, um, all right. So we go from dogma and everything. Um, how did you get involved with the happening with M night Shyamalan? Um, that was, uh, I, I was auditioning a lot out of Philadelphia. Um, there's a, uh, a casting company down there called Diane Heary Casting. Uh, now it's Heary Lufthouse Casting. Uh, and, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, he's a, um, he's a uh, Philadelphia boy. Uh, so he, like Kevin, Kevin likes to shoot everything based, stories based about New Jersey, yeah. uh, and shoot in New Jersey when he can. Uh, the thing about uh, M. Night, M. Night loves shooting out of the Philadelphia area. Uh, so I went in, down there and there were dozens of roles in the happening that were going on. It's a, it's a large scale film, uh, for yeah. an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It was a, it was one of his larger scale kind of films when it came to cast. And I auditioned for, uh, Diane Heary's office. Uh, one of the, uh, the, uh, ADs, uh, either the first AD or the second AD was a fan of mine, uh, saw that I had popped up on the audition list. He's like, Ooh, we gotta let him bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. Uh, and so I auditioned in front of him and then, uh, they were like, yeah, we definitely want him on board. Um, I think it was just a nod to the fact that, oh my God, I totally want to work with Brian kind of a thing. Right. Uh, so then I got cast and then when it came like a couple of weeks later when I was going to start shooting the film, I arrived in Philly, checked into the hotel they put us out. They drove us out to base camp, uh, just outside of Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And, um, it was the scene, uh, where uh 
something's happening in the the Jeep that I'm driving with John Leguizamo and a couple of other the actors as my passengers go yeah. through and they see the landscapers uh, kind of uh, not not doing so well in the neighborhood. Let's just put it like that. And I remember uh, I was waiting outside of the, the camper of the dressing rooms in base camp in this big uh, open field next to a high school, if I remember correct. Um, and M. Knight was being called out of his trailer to go down. They were going to drive him down to where they had set up all these landscapers and these stuntmen for him to get his approval. Is this what you're looking for? And he said, uh, I go to him. He goes, hey, he goes to me, Brian, oh, my God, a big fan of the work. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your film. Right. He goes, so what do you think? I said, uh, you know, the thing about M. Night Shyamalan, by the way, in his films is he only gives you the pages of the script that you're in. You don't get to read the whole script. You don't get to see it. You don't get to, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, unless you're like, unless you were like Zoe Deschanel or, or Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, so he goes, what do you think? I'm like, wow, this is, uh, this is kind of weird, but, uh, I'm a little confused. And he goes, huh? He goes, um, I see the title was called The Happening, but I, I thought we were making the What's Happening movie, meaning <laughs> joke of the old 70s sitcom, yeah. What's Happening. So then for the next 15 minutes, me and him started thinking, oh, my God, if we were to reboot that series today, who would be what? And we were like, oh, well, Dave Chappelle should be Roger. And, you know, right. rerun could be uh what's his name from Saturday Night Live and you know, there was a bunch of people like Wanda Sykes should be Shirley and things like that. It was a very funny conversation to the point where the production assistants were like, Knight, uh, we need you down at set like five minutes ago. And he was like, yeah, hang on, hang on. We're still we're still working on casting the what's happening. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to work on it, I think, for three days, uh, three or four days in different locations. It was a lot of I, I was involved in a. A really great stunt, which I wanted to do myself and thought I could convince them, like, I want to do the stunt. But they were like, absolutely not. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I actually get, if anybody owns the DVD, on the deleted scene extras and also how they did back behind the scenes kind of doc about especially the stunts, um, I'm on that more than I am in the movie. But it was a fun reaction, no less, and I had a great time doing it. So I, 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 uh, I look forward to hopefully sometime uh, working with him again in the future. That is that's awesome, and uh, I you know I don't want to take up more of your time. I I feel like I'm blessed that you gave me the time that you did today, and it means uh, you won't. I can't even describe what it means. But um, yeah, for anyone out there that uh, would like to uh, contact you, like uh, Twitter, and then do you have any um any other uh, signings coming up, or any other projects you want to promote real quick? Uh, if you want to find out what I'm up to, the best place to go is uh, Brian C, as in Christopher, Brian C. O'Halloran on Twitter or Instagram or the Brian C. O'Halloran on Facebook. Uh, next year, I'll be uh, releasing a website where all of this will be encompassed. Uh, my last signing is uh, literally um, Saturday, uh, December uh, 17th. It's tomorrow, uh, right? Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, we'll be on uh, at the Big Apple Comic Con which is at the New Yorker Hotel uh, on uh, 8th Avenue uh, and 33rd Street, I think it is, or 34th Street. Um, it's a Wyndham, New Yorker. Uh, you can go to Big Apple Comic Con or BigAppleCC.com for more information. 
Uh, and what about your TV show too? I, I meant to ask uh, real quick. You're, t- you're in a TV show with Ernie O'Donnell. Is that out yet? Uh, can people yes, check that uh, out? Yes, there is a sitcom, a six-episode sitcom uh, that's airing on. Uh, you can find that at Amazon Prime. Uh, you can go to the Amazon Video and type in "On Our Own." Uh, it's a TV series uh, that we did uh, half-hour comedy uh, episodes. A uh, few people uh, make their appearance, and it's very funny. Um, yeah, you can find that on Amazon. Um, and also there's a couple of films as well. Uh, on your own is a, is the TV series. And then there's a show, a movie called right before your eyes, uh, which is a, a film about a guy struggling with addiction, alcohol addiction and, uh, his family and friends trying to get him out of it. Uh, it's uh, based on the writer director's true life story. Uh, I was, had a lot of fun, uh, being a part of that. It's, uh, Touch when, when, when can we see that? Uh, when is that get released? You can see that now. That's another oh, okay. one that you can find. You can find on Amazon as well. Um, okay, gotcha. And uh, I have a couple of films I'll be working on next year. Uh, hopefully, one of them being Mall Rats too. Excellent. I really appreciate this, and uh, you know, good luck to, to everything uh, and continued success. Thank and, you, Chris, uh, so much for having us, and uh, thank you so much. Uh, Chuck, for uh, having us on as well. Uh, I look forward uh, to talking with you again sometime next year. Yeah, me too. And uh, Clerks 3, your performance, the best yet. Thank you, man. We put a lot of work into that. I'm glad I'm glad the, the, the fans have really uh, taken to heart uh, to it. And uh, the pun oh, was... We have. Too. We have, believe me. And uh, you deserve it, my friend. Thank you. Have a, great, have a great evening. You too. Have a happy holiday, and we'll see you next year. You too. Take care.